Luke chapter 7, are you there? Luke chapter 7, I'm going to read um, a few verses here. This is, we're continuing on with the, the passages in Scripture that talk about resurrection, somebody that's raised from the dead. So, uh, spoiler alert, we're going to talk about somebody coming back from the, light, coming back from the dead. Uh, but uh, it's an interesting story about how Jesus enters, Jesus enters into this situation. Um, it's interesting to me that Jesus is, he comes here after traveling. He comes here from, from a little bit of a distance away. If you were to go into the first part of chapter 7, you would find he has been in a town called Capernaum, which is kind of on the north side of the Sea of Galilee. Um, he's been up over there for a little bit, and then he makes his way down to this town. You'll see it in a moment. It's called Nain. It is, actually, both of these places still exist. I did a little searching on this. You can actually navigate, like Google Maps will navigate you from Capernaum to Nain um, in, in the real world. This is actually a place you could drive uh, today, but it's about a 50-minute drive um, in a vehicle. But our Lord didn't have a vehicle to drive from one place to the other. He walked that. So we're talking about a 25, 20-25-mile 20, uh, walk that he did uh, to this place called Nain. And Nain is north of Jerusalem and uh, right over there near Nazareth a little bit. So there's, the point I'm trying to make there is that there's a distance between these two. He goes out of his way to go into this situation. So I want to ask you to pick up here in verse 11. So we'll chapter 7, verse 11, we'll see how the Lord has gone quite a distance, yet he still has uh, some helping this woman on his mind. I want to ask you to stand with me if you're able to. I'm out of reverence for the reading of our Lord's words. Here's what the scripture says. And it, began, and it came to pass the day after that he went into a city called Nain. And many of his disciples went with him and much people. Now when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And much people of the city was with her, and when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and said unto her, Weep not. And he came and touched the bier, where they bear, that bear, that, and they that bear him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak, and he delivered him to his mother. And there was a fear on all, and there came a fear on all, and they glorified God, saying that a great prophet is risen up among us, and that God hath visited his people. And this rumored of him, this rumor of him went forth throughout all of Judea and throughout all the region round about. Let's pray together. Lord, would you please bless the reading of your word? Lord, you know that I have a thought or two that I want to share with the people here. But please take me out of the way and allow them to hear your voice. Father, help us to put aside the struggles and strains and the pains and the irritations and the annoyances and the frustrations and the worries and the doubts, let's put those over to the side for just a minute, Lord. They're real, they're there, but help us to not allow that to clutter our minds so much that we can't hear you speaking peace, you speaking hope, and you speaking love to us. Please change us by your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be, safe. You can be seated. 
I've had a couple of instances in recent past of someone that I'm talking to, remember two specific instances, one actually happened last week and one happened a couple of months ago, talking to this person, and they didn't really have any reason to remember me, but we had met prior, and I'm talking to them, and it's clear to me they actually remembered me. And I'm sitting there, and all I could think of, in that one instance is several months ago, this was happened to be one of my favorite young living theologians, and I'm sitting there talking to him, and it's clear he remembers me. And I thought, wow, he remembers me. I can't remember a thing he's saying. I can just remember him remembering me. And that's just amazing to me. I'm flattered by it. I'm, I'm floored that he's remembering. Last week this happened in a little bit of a different situation, but uh, there was a man who was, was over this seminar, and I had had an opportunity to have a conversation with him months ago. And when I sat and talked to him last week, he remembered me, and it was just flattering to me. Now, you may sit there and say, well, ain't you just a little silly man? for people getting flattered by it, but I just want to tell you there are a few things in this world that are sweeter than somebody remembering you. Now, again, if y'all don't believe me, I'm sorry you got everything together, but I'm one of those kind of people that's a little bit flattering to me that somebody who doesn't need to remember me remembers me. But I want you to be reminded today, and this is what I want you to see in this passage, did you know that the God of the universe remembers every one of you? Some of you are in here this morning and you feel like you've been forgotten. You feel like you're all alone. You feel like whatever it is you're going through, and honestly, maybe nobody in this room knows about it. You may think that because of that, that nobody in this world cares about it. You might feel like nobody cares about you. You might be overwhelmed by your troubles. You might be sitting there not sure how to think about your next move and your circumstances, whether it's health or finances or relationships or emotions or a whole host of problems. Whatever those things are, you say those circumstances are beating you down right now. But I need you to see, and I want to show you for a few minutes in this passage, that God knows about you and your circumstance. He cares about what you're going through. And he is speaking to you right now in the middle of that circumstance. Jesus remembers this woman. It's an example for us to know he remembers you, and he will do that for you time and time again. I just want to take a few minutes and look at this passage with me uh, for, for just a few minutes and see this in this. In verse 11, we see it, Jesus is coming into this city called Nain. He's got a lot of people with him. And as he does, he walks into and meets a picture of grief. In verse 12, it says there that as he comes close to the city, there's this dead man that's being carried out. There's a funeral procession that's happening. There's a dead man. It's... Probably, he's probably being carried out in what essentially would be an open box. He wouldn't be in a, in a casket like we might think of. He would probably have been just an open, open box. That's probably all they would have had. And he probably had died earlier that day, and they are burying him literally on the same day. This is often what would have happened. They didn't have anywhere, they wouldn't have had any of the facilities that we might have today to have multiple days between passing and burial. They would have had to do it at the same time, uh, partly for sanitary reasons, partly for spiritual or rather religious uh, clean, re, clean um, purity reasons. They want to keep clean. So they're, they're having to take him out. And probably... 
The people that are gathered around here, you can see there that this man's being carried out. There's some people that are carrying this, uh, this basket or rather this box that he's probably in. They're carrying that, and there's all these other people in the city. Uh, this is probably most of the town that's there, not necessarily family and friends. This is just about everybody that's there. Nain is kind of a small, tits, small city, not a very big city, and whenever somebody like this would have passed, probably unless she was some kind of an outcast or this family is some kind of an outcast, probably everybody would have gathered around them to try to help them go out of the city. And one of the things that they would have done, it would have been marked by, and this would not have had to be ginned up at all, this would have just been natural, but there would have been a lot of grief. I mean, if you've ever been to a funeral, especially somebody you loved and you cared about, whether you showed it outwardly or not, there's grief in your heart. There's a missing, there's a, there's a pain. And this is what Jesus, and, and by the way, it's not just the, not just the, the, the woman, the, the woman who lost her son, she's certainly that way, but there's all these people around her that are feeling that pain and that loss. And this is what Jesus is walking into. He's walking into a funeral procession. He's walking into a grieving mother and widow. She would have probably been leading this. This would have been a procession with uh, some people holding that, that uh, basket, the beer as it's called there, this basket or, or ca uh, a casket that he's probably laying in. They're probably holding this open box that he's laying in. There's a bunch of people around that. They're walking in a procession out to where they would have buried him. And the mother, being the most important person in that funeral that was alive, would have been leading that. She would have been out front. She would have been grieving because of the emotional loss. This is her only son. Now, I mean, you don't even have to have just one son to, lo to be sad when you lose the son, but I can only imagine it's probably amplified that much more if it's just your only child, or at least only son we know of. So it apparently, again, it would be terrible if it was a young child. That would be awful. We've heard about some of those stories. But it suggests here that this is a man and that's relevant because what this man was probably doing was probably taking care of his mother. What I mean by that is she probably was depending on her son for her financial well-being, her food, her day-to-day -day necessities of life. So here she is, yes, emotionally distraught. She just lost her son, her only son, the one that she loves. But she doesn't know where, where her next meal's coming from. She's going to have to be on charity from anybody that will help her. That's all she's going to have. She doesn't have anybody who has any, if you will, family obligation to her. And he walks into that. And of course, there's a lot of people around her. In verse 12, it says there's much people of the city. And, and I don't know what the impact of that family was on this city, but you get a small town like that. I mean, even in the smaller communities that we live in, somebody that we know dies, it affects us. It affects us all. You know, even in this church, there's some people that maybe they weren't your mother or your sister or your father, but when they pass, because it's part of our community, it, it upsets us. It, it, it affects our hearts. We could think of several names right now of people that are like that for us. So here's Jesus walking into a literal, very, very literal, actual picture of grief. And it says in verse 13... When he saw her, he had compassion on her. Now that word compassion, I don't know if that if the, if it's as if it, if if when you read it, it's as loaded as it's intended to be to to you. That word compassion is this idea of he has he is deeply affected when he sees her. You ever had that feeling in your heart? Is this something that's just gut wrenching? 
You know what I'm talking about? That, that gut-wrenching feeling. You see something, and it's not just that, oh, that's sad, that's pitiful. I have that reaction too. We have that kind of reaction, but that's not what's going on here. He's actually seeing this, and there's just something in his insides that just starts churning and turning, and he's, he's moved with compassion. He's deeply affected when he sees her. And what does he do when he does this? He says he's, he had compassion, and then what does he say? He tells her, weep not. Now, he tells her not to cry. Now, what Jesus is not doing is just saying, buck up, lady. Dry those tears. That's not what he's saying. He's not being like that. He's not saying, well, I don't know what you're crying for. What are you, why are you bothering with this? Not, he's not being mean. He's not being mean. He's actually saying, weep not. He's, in essence, making a promise to her. I want you to see, we know how the story ends up. Do you all know how the story ends up? Jesus brings the man back to life. So he's come back to life. Just know that. Jesus knew that that was what was going to happen. And he's telling her, don't cry. There's no need to cry, lady, because there's going to be a minute. In just a minute, he's going to come back to life. He's telling her, don't weep, because there won't be a reason to weep in just a minute. Just hold on, because I love you so much, I care for you so much, I've not forgotten you, I've not left you alone, I've not abandoned you, there's no reason to cry. Now, I want you to see that this is not just Jesus, it's on his high horse, because Jesus doesn't, he doesn't live that way, even though he has a right to be on a high horse, he doesn't live that way. I want you to see what he does here next. He goes there, after he's got compassion, he says, don't cry, lady. Verse 14, he comes up and he actually touches he touches that, that open box where that man is laying. Now, that may not mean a whole lot to y'all, but what Jesus has just done is he has, according to the book of Numbers, he has actually put himself in a position where he is now ritually unclean. These men that would have carried that, that essentially that casket, where they would have carried that casket, they knew what they were signing up for. They, were they might have even gotten some kind of compensation for it, knowing that they were going to have to go through a process to, to be clean the next day. There would be a whole, at least a day, maybe depending on what exactly was done, maybe as much as seven days where they might have had to, be, to go through a whole process of cleaning. And Jesus, from an outsider's perspective, had no, he didn't have a dog in this fight. He didn't even know the man, for all we knew. But he goes up and he actually touches the casket. He actually touches him, and in doing so, do you know what Jesus is doing? He's saying, I'm in this with you. I am right here with you. I'm not going to stand off at a distance like I don't want to be near you. I am in this with you. I'm touching this. I'm identifying myself with you in the middle of this thing. <laughs> the image that comes to my mind is like a parent or maybe an aunt or uncle who loves a little child, a little kid, three, four, maybe five years old. And the little child falls and hurts the hand or hurts their knee. And what does mom and daddy do? At least a good mom and daddy. You know what they'll do? He gets down on the knee. Let me look at that thing. Let me get real close to it. Let me look at it. Let me, you know, you know what you do. Come on, you know what you do. Let, let, me, let me kiss it. Let me kiss it. Let me kiss it. Now, does that do a thing for that thing? I don't know, but that little youngin thinks that's the best thing in the world. And what mom and daddy has done is they've got themselves down on the same level as that little child. And they have touched that child in a way that is helping them. It's speaking to the need that they have. 
This is exactly what Jesus is doing in this situation. He is getting on his knees to tend to her tears. He is getting as close as possible to say, I'm in this situation with you. I'm right here with you right now. And we need to, because this is who Jesus is, he will comfort in the middle of your troubles. You have to believe what they, the crowd says over in verse 16, that God hath visited his people. That, that phrase essentially means he hadn't forgotten us. He's close to us. He's with us. He's near. God has not forgotten you. God will not forget you. He cares for you, and he loves you way too much. He has identified with your situation when you were at your worst. You know that he loved you when you were a sinner? Did you know that? He loved you when you were a sinner. He actually took on the form of a man, entered into this world to make himself available to touch your deepest hurt. That's what he did. That's Jesus getting on a knee and coming down and saying, now, where does it hurt? Okay, right there. That's what, he, that's what he's doing. He's not forgotten you. He's not giving up on you. And he's, he, didn't, he didn't quit on you when you were at your worst. And I can tell you, he's not going to stop now. Because he says in Hebrews chapter 4, we have a high priest, or we have not a high priest that which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. He knows what we're feeling, and he's going to enter into, he has always, and he will do it again. He will enter into our circumstance, and he will speak to us and say, Don't cry. It's okay. I've got this. I've got this. There's no reason to cry because I'm right here and I'm going to come close and identify myself with you. He'll comfort you in your time of trouble. Of course, this is very disruptive to this funeral, Jesus doing this. It kind of make, makes the whole thing and kind of turns it on its end. When he, when he touches that box, when he touches that, it actually says in verse 14 that they that bear him stood still. I don't know that they knew what to do because they didn't have people doing this, by the way, coming up and touching the, <laughs> you don't do that. So the, the, the pallbearers, they're sitting there saying, I don't know what to do, so let's just stand still for a minute. And they do. And that's kind of weird. The whole thing is a weird scene. I can only imagine if I'm there, that's just a strange situation watching all this. But it is, it gets stranger. Because you know what Jesus does? He talks to the man, the dead man, not the pallbearers, the dead man. He talks to him, and he says to the man, not, we'll miss you, hate to see you leave, none of those things. You know what he does? Arise. Get up, man. Get up. He is telling, the, he's saying to the, the whole funeral, they're all on their way to the grave to bury this man. He's basically letting them know, I'm putting you on notice, you're not going to make it to the grave today. It's not, we're not, this is a funeral procession that never is going to make it to the grave. We're going to stop before we get there. And of course, what happens, look at what it says there in verse 15. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak. And he delivered him to his mother. <laughs> what Jesus does in this situation is he has repaired the physical ailment that this man had. He was dead. 
So he was able to sit up. He, he repaired the mental damage that had happened because you do understand that not only is our body dead when we're dead, but our brain is dead as well. There's no function that's going on here. But what is this man able to do? He's able to speak because God turns his brain back on. He's working. He repairs the mental but he doesn't stop with just the physical and the mental. That last phrase, I think, needs to have a little more weight in our minds. He says, and he, speaking of Jesus, delivered him, the man who was recently dead, delivered him to his mother. What Jesus is doing is he's reconciling this relationship. He's putting these people back together that were apart, that death had separated them, but he puts them back together. Jesus takes a bad situation... I mean, I, I can't read this situation any other way than it's just bad. I don't care. I don't care how, how sick they've been. I don't care how, how hard their life has been. Even though we understand if we lose someone on this side, I was just talking, I think it was Mary I was talking to, we lose someone on this side, and yes, we know they're going to be in heaven. We understand that that's, that's wonderful, but I don't care even if that's the case. It's still hard when someone dies. When you lose someone, that is a difficult circumstance. So in this situation, Jesus takes a absolutely bad situation and he turns it around. He turns it upside down with the power of his words. He says, arise. He says, get up. He uses his voice. Because God Almighty, that's who Jesus is, he's God. He has creative resurrection power in his voice. He speaks and things change. Will you believe with me, as it says there in verse 16, that God hath visited his people? He can do anything. We just need to hear his voice. He can do anything. We just need to hear his voice. With his voice, he reverses and repairs our circumstances. He makes things that were impossible absolutely possible. He makes things that were hopeless completely full of hope. He takes tears that are cried in sorrow and turns it into tears of joy. He takes problems and he solves those problems. He takes our sorrow and he turns it into serenity. He takes the emptiness of our hearts, and there a lot of us have empty hearts, things that we're longing for, things that are missing in our lives. He takes the emptiness of our hearts and turns it to satisfaction. He takes the presence of God and evicts the panic of our heart. He takes the presence of God and brings peace, evicting the panic that... that some of y'all are panicked in some way. And again, it may, maybe it's because of the circumstances of the world. Maybe it's your own circumstances. Whatever it is, there's a part of you. And I only say this because I can speak from experience. There's a little something inside of you that gnaws. This ain't right. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. And if we will listen to the word of God, he will take that panic and he will run it out of town and he will replace it with his peace. He will speak into your situation. Lastly, I want you to show, see this in verse 16. He says that after this happens, the people had a fear that came upon them. They were awestruck by the circumstances. They were afraid, yes, they were a little nervous, I can only imagine there was probably a little bit of that going on because a dead man just came back to life. It just had to be a little weird, things going on there. But this idea of fear that is mentioned here is not just that. There's also a profound and deep respect. They recognize that it was God at work. 
In fact, he goes on to say that they glorified God. They acknowledged that what just happened was actually the hand of God working in their lives. And furthermore, it says there, they're referring to the fact that this is like the great prophet. They knew that this was, and by the way, if you were to take the time to do it, you could actually compare this to the story of Elijah when he raises that boy, excuse me, Elisha when he raises uh, the Shunammite woman's son from, from, from the dead. It's, it's uh, almost blow by blow point by point, almost exactly the same story. And they, I think, recognize that, and they say, listen, that is God visiting his people. They knew that it had been over, by this point, it had been over 400 years since there had been a prophet in the land of Israel. They probably thought God forgot them. I can imagine they did. God had forgotten them. But they believed that this was God intervening in their circumstances. Will you believe that God's intervening in your circumstances? Lamentation says this, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. What we need to do is just take a minute and remember who it is that God is. Remember who it is or what it is that God has done. It's exactly all they've done is they just went back and they just reminisced wait a minute, this looks exactly like what God did when Elijah was here. It looks exactly the same way. It looks the same. That's what God does. Just remembering that. You know what that's called? When you remember what God is and what God's done, you know what that's called? That's called worship. That's called lifting our hearts in worship, raising up, because what our God is is a promise-keeping God. He has literally thousands of promises in Scripture, and he has, called, and he has met every last promise one of his promises, and he will continue to, to keep his promises. God has not forgotten you. He sent his son into the world in the fullness of time to save every person in this universe. He's made himself available. Everyone can be saved. And he is not surprised. He's not overwhelmed. He's not disgusted. He's not scared. He's not worried one little bit by your situation. You may say, well, you don't understand how bad I am, what, what, the, what kind of a circumstance I'm in. I, I wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole, except I'm in the middle of it. Well, I understand that that may be where you and I sit, but God is outside of that, and he is looking at your situation and saying, I'm not worried about it. I've got this. I love you. I've not forgotten you. And he is calling you to believe on him. He's got this. Believe in him. There's comfort there. He will command your circumstances and if you'll pay attention, this is the problem, we don't like to pay attention, but if you'll pay attention, he will absolutely amaze you, and you'll result in verse 16, you'll worship him like you'll never, ever have worshipped him before. If you've never believed in Jesus, won't you come to him? If you've been a believer in Jesus before, won't you come to him still? Believe that he hasn't forgotten you. I want to ask you to stand with me. We'll close in a word of prayer. I want to give you an opportunity to respond to what has been preached. The invitation is simple. Believe that God is working in your life right now. Maybe you need to come forward and pray and say, thank you, Lord, for working. Or maybe you need to come forward and pray and say, Lord, I don't see it, but I, I believe it. Help me see it. But would you come?
Father, please, please help us to see that you've not forgotten us, that you love us, that you care for us, and that you're working. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.